A lot of you have been asking me for insomnia treatment options, so I want to let you know I have launched an insomnia treatment course. It's a very structured and effective treatment program with a lot of clinical evidence support. So one course is in Chinese and one is in English. You can find it at deepintosleep.co forward slash insomnia. Welcome to Deep Into Sleep with Dr. Ishan Xu. Welcome to the show. This is Ishan. Let's think about this. If at our best age we lost all our hair, when we are pursuing beauty, want to look good, but we don't have any body hair on our face, on our head, what that may look like? I don't know about you. I know if that happened to me, I may be so scared, so panicked, so worried, and I may not feel confident, and I may worry about how other people view me, and don't want to go out. I may withdraw myself. I may worry so much that I cannot sleep well. I may have insomnia. I may just let it ruin my life somehow. When I met Diane. She does not have eyebrow. She does not have hair, but she looks so beautiful. Her beauty is from inside out. Comes from her confidence. So she actually has been diagnosed with alopecia since she was seven years old, but she has lived her life so happily. She read books about alopecia. Reach out to the community, and educate people, coach people how to live with alopecia, live with worries. Hi, Diane. How are you? Welcome to Deep Into Sleep. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. We talk about the condition alopecia before. Can you share a little bit more about what alopecia is? Sure. So alopecia areata is considered an autoimmune disease, and which you know some people's thought process is that our body is attacking our hair follicles, and basically our hair falls out, and it could grow back at any time, and it could, you know, it could come back, it could grow back,、um, you know, in a spot, and then fall out again in another spot. And there's three different variations. So. Alopecia areata is the kind of blanket term for all、um, autoimmune hair loss, and, and but that can also mean spots. So the areata piece is, you know, usually the size of a quarter or a dime or some coin of some sort. And then、um, alopecia totalis is complete scalp hair loss, and that you might still have your eyebrows and eyelashes and nose hair, but、um, alopecia universalis, which is what the Variation that I have is head to toe hair loss, so、wow. no eyelashes, brows, nose hair, ear hair, anything like that. So it definitely has、um, some ups and downs for sure.、Mm -hmm. Wow, yeah. So this kind of condition sounds quite challenging for、mm -hmm. a lot of people. How many people have this kind of condition? So 147 million people in the world will have. 
alopecia in their lifetime. And that may mean you might have a spot and it might grow back, or it may be something that progresses to alopecia universalis. So it's kind of, um, and, and it can change, but it is 2% of the, of the world's population. Wow, 2%. That's a, that's a high number. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like for some people, if this happened to them, they will uh, recover and uh, have the hair grow back. And for some people, it's a lifelong condition. Mm-hmm, definitely. Okay, wow. So I would, it's hard for me even to imagine if it happened to me, I possibly can be so scared, so worried how I may look like, how other people may view me. Mm-hmm. How have you dealt with this kind of, you know, um, how, like, how you interact with the world after this condition? Yeah, well, you know, depending on when you are diagnosed, it, it kind of depends on what your perception um, of hair is. You know, a lot of people, they may get it when they're children, very, very young toddlers, and they may not um, understand at first what what other people are seeing when they look at them. And oftentimes, so actually, you know, almost 100% of the time, people, when they see someone who is bald or balding, say, oh, that person is sick. And people with alopecia do not consider themselves sick. They, you know, it, it doesn't affect our internal organs or, you know, it, it's definitely a visual thing that that people respond to. And um, so when you're diagnosed, when you're younger, you may not realize, but it definitely, the world's perception and ideas um, kind of encroach on you for sure. And, and if you get it as an adult, you're really kind of hyper aware of how people are responding to you and how you feel about yourself, your confidence, you know, can, can just plummet, especially when you're first diagnosed and you're losing massive amounts of hair, you know, you're showering and you're seeing it in the drain and it's all over, you know, your vacuum sucking it up. And it's just kind of a, it's a big, big deal. And for men as well, this is definitely not a, a woman focused disease. It's a 50, 50, you know, 50% men, 50% women. So Wow, I never really know about this condition so closely. And mm-hmm. I did not know about all these struggles. When I met you the first time, you look so confident to mm-hmm. me. And that's amazing now understanding a little more about all these conditions, difficulties you have to face. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's, it's definitely you know, the societal look about hair and the association with femininity and virility and all this stuff that comes with the, you know, just the thought process of, thought process of what hair is and what it signifies in, in our lives. And, you know, def, definitely in different cultures, it means different things. But here, here in the U.S., you know, definitely, the, you know, you look at TV and there's so many hair commercials and it's all about more luminous, beautiful, gorgeous hair. And, and yeah. those are super frustrating to watch when your oh. hair is falling out. So it, it's, it's kind of an interesting process that you go through where you're, you're grieving. It, it's considered a grieving process that nobody um, kind of gives you credit for it. You go, okay, yes, my hair is falling out. Is is it just hair? That's what people will say around you. Oh, it's just hair. You know, it's not a a big deal, but it really truly is. It is, you are losing a piece of yourself and and that process of grieving is real. You go through the same things when you lose a limb, you know, and comparing it to something like losing an arm or something is, it, it just, you know, that's kind of a mind thing too. You're like, why am I 
you know, I didn't lose my arm. I didn't lose a child. I didn't, you know, this is something that I, I should just be dealing with. I feel superficial. And so there's a lot of weird mind games that go on when you're losing your hair because there's the outside world saying, it's only hair. You should be fine with it. You're not sick. You don't have cancer. And you're thinking those things to yourself too. Um, but it's still, it's still just kind of a normal part of the process. Yeah. And it sounds like it's really hard for the world, for other people who don't have this condition to try to understand the, the desperation, the, the, the sadness, um, this shift, big shift of self-identity mm-hmm. happening. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I would imagine this kind of struggle gonna keep people up at night. Mm-hmm, for uh, sure. Yeah, and I think the the level of um, you know sometimes when we're diagnosed with alopecia, our our doctors, physicians, dermatologists, whoever we're seeing will say, "Oh, you're you're dealing with too much stress, and this is why your hair is falling out." So there's always a trigger for people, and then. Um, at the end of the day, we still need our sleep, right? It's part of self-care. It's part of what yes. makes us be kind of functional human beings every uh-huh. day. And and losing sleep is is a huge part of us, especially I think with um, as parents when we're trying to figure out how to navigate the world with our child who is has just been diagnosed with alopecia, right? We we're losing sleep. We're wondering what to do. We're wondering how to talk to um, our children's peers and classmates and teachers and school coaches, you know, or sport coaches. And um, there's just a lot of, of overthinking that happens too, which I think is, is a big result of um, not getting enough sleep. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, uh, so I'm curious for your own experience. And uh, may I ask if you feel comfortable to answer when, at what age you were diagnosed? Yeah. So I was diagnosed at age seven. Um, So I was in the second grade. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and I did have regrowth when I was 14 years old. I didn't do anything different. I just was, you know, living my life. I was in the seventh grade. And then over the summer between seventh and eighth grade, my hair almost completely grew back in. So that would have been within a three-month period of time. Um, So I was able to go into eighth grade with kind of a cool retro haircut. (laughs) And um, and, yeah, and so I, and then from that point until I was about 28 years old, I had small spots that kind of would show up and then regrow and then another one would show up somewhere else. So it was always a a constant of trying to brush my hair a certain way, trying to cover it with eyeshadow, trying to um, not allow anyone to touch my hair. I was also played school sports. I was on the volleyball team and softball team and, you know, wearing a hat and then a helmet for softball would always be kind of traumatizing in the taking off process after I would be done playing, I would take my, you know, or my batting helmet off. And then I would always just be very, very careful of how I took it off just in case a bald spot would show. So it's a lot of um, kind of underlying anxiety that that was there with the worrying about people seeing it and then having to start conversations about it. Yeah. And uh, it sounds like a lot of worries about how other people may judge you, mm-hmm. may view you, for sure. Yeah, so in your own experience, when all this happened, when you were so consciously 
you know, um, covering it or managing it. Did it ever impact your sleep? Truthfully, I do not recall if it did or not. Um, I imagine I did. It, it must have, right? I mean, because I think that all aspects of your life are affected when something's happening to you. Um, and as a teenager, I probably slept too long in the mornings <laughs> and stayed up too late and things like that. But so those things contributed to. Um, but I, I truthfully, I do not recall it, it affecting me even as an adult, because when I was older and I, but again, I, I had just had, you know, my daughter when my hair was almost completely falling out. So, so having a baby in combination with that was, it's hard to probably discern which was affecting me the most with my sleep. Yeah, definitely. Being a parent, um, especially being a new parent, uh, mm -hmm. sleep could be another whole different challenge. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But sounds like overall, you, even though you have to deal with all these um, challenges, you still maintain your life. You still try mm -hmm. to do whatever you have to do. Right. And yeah. Have a very resilient mindset. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that, that a lot of things can, a lot of things contribute to that, right? We have, um, well, first, I, I met other people with alopecia and that connection of, of having people who understood what I was going through and who could relate to the struggles that I had and, and the outside, you know, feedback that you're getting from the world, it, it makes a world of difference. But it took me about 30 years to meet one other person with alopecia areata. And that's, that's kind of... Um, frustrating as as somebody who you know these days we have we have social media we have all this access to information and um people are still feeling alone and that that's the one thing that i i really want to explore in in the life that i live and i you know not talking about it for years and and doing things like that has kind of made me shift my mindset and say okay and i I'm not sure if we talked about it, but I published a book in 2015 with other people's stories and black and white photos for people who have alopecia. And that has made a world of difference to the alopecia community. And, and that became kind of a, a, an important process for me in dealing with my own alopecia. You kind of, you go, oh, what am I going to do? I never talked about it. And now let's talk about it all the time. So, so that's what I am kind of spending my life doing. And that resilience piece of it is um, knowing that I can make a difference for other people who are living with this, for kids who are being diagnosed and um, having issues at school and parents who really need that support from somebody who understands. And so I, I work as a, an alopecia life coach and so, and, I, I think that this is just where I'm supposed to be in with my experience. So that's great. What's the title of your book? Um, the title of my book is called Head On Stories of Alopecia. That's great. You are writing this book. Uh, I'm sure there are a lot of people out there. Sounds like they are hiding or they are not even know where the connection and support is. Mm -hmm. You are providing this kind of coaching, support, this kind of service. Mm -hmm. When you coach people, either parents or, you know, adults, individuals who just got diagnosed or mm -hmm. still in the early stage of dealing with this situation, 
if they say, "Well, I'm really worried, and uh, I I worry about it day and night,"、mm-hmm. what would you normally do to them to help them? Well, first off, we kind of discover what what the worry is about. If we if we can identify if this is kind of a, a truthful or imagined.、Um, Sense about it, you know. Is this just an imagined thing that people won't, people won't love me, people won't accept my child? You know, my child will be bullied, and and really, there's there's all these possibilities of what could happen and what could be the reality. But until we kind of break it down and say, okay, are these things true? Have we given people the ability to accept us and、uh, move forward? Because I think a lot of the time we are. As humans, we kind of go, okay, we're gonna we're gonna rely only on ourselves, right? Or or only our family unit, unit, and we're not gonna reach out to the people who who do have the capacity to care about this and and help us through、um, a situation that's that's difficult. So we have to kind of、um, look at those those things and say, do I have the support, and can I move forward with this instead of saying I'm just gonna handle this myself? So that's a big piece of it, right there. Mm-hmm. That's great to、um, help people distinguish what is reali- reality, what is imagination,、mm-hmm. and realize there are supports out there.、Mm-hmm. Uh, when you you know connect with people, talk about this, interview with other people for their experience, have you noticed? Like I'm wondering,、uh, is sleep any kind of sleep difficulties、uh, common? Among people, I I think、people? definitely I I think that that's that is a huge factor, and I think that that just comes with worry, right? We、mm-hmm. we lay awake at night worrying, worrying, constantly thinking about the possibilities, whether they're imagined or or not,、um, to be、yes. out there, and we lose sleep. We wake up. Early, we're worried, you know, more when we wake up in the morning, and and then it starts to kind of infiltrate other parts of our lives, right? Our work,、um, school, depending on if you're a student, and you know, right, right now、um, we're approaching back to school time, and I hear,、right. I'm hearing from a lot of parents who are saying, you know, my child. Usually, it's when they're starting, you know, kindergarten, when they're starting junior high, when they're starting high school. Those big kind of monumental milestones that are、um, that are tough for any child, right? And、um, and so we look at those and we go, okay, are things going to be more difficult? And immediately we say, oh yeah, I remember going into middle school and how challenging that was, or high school, and and just the the things that are different. And that's the same for all children, but children with alopecia. Especially if you've just been diagnosed over the summer and you're starting high school, middle school, it it's kind of it's a big deal, right? And so、yes. kids are losing sleep over this. They're they're worried. They're worried about just this new transition in life, and then they have alopecia on top of it. So, right,、uh, already a big challenge in life by going to middle school, going to high school, and they have to worry about how they look, how other people、mm-hmm. may look at them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and our parents is is you know we can talk all day about how it shouldn't be so important, but that's the reality. Is it? It is. It, it's just an important thing, especially at that age. So then, what parents can do to help support their children with alopecia? I the number one thing is to、um, open up conversations. Just 
ask questions without being, you know, that's another thing. I have a teenager here at home too. So Uh just opening up conversations is kind of a a challenging thing, but, but asking questions and not, um, you know, I think we, we we're tempted to offer all these solutions to our kids, but not really giving them the freedom to, to think about what those options are and to say, you know, today I want to, you know, I'm going to wear a hat for the first three months of school. And if I feel more comfortable taking it off and not having to do that, then that's great. If I want to wear a wig or um, any type of hair piece or anything like that, then then they should be able to to do that. And um, it it's not about, I think a lot of the time parents are, they want their child to feel free to to not wear anything on their head. And that's just not the reality in the very beginning, especially because we want that comfort, that security blanket of wearing something and protecting ourselves um, from people looking at us. And, and so I think that opening up conversations, talking about what your options are and saying, hey, what, what does today look like? What do we want to do today? Um, and just allowing them to, to share with us when they're ready. So which is which is hard i know to wait for those conversations but but just being ready and available and having the information that they may need also another thing is um being prepared to talk to your child's school administration should that be an issue of wearing a hat um, or bullying or anything like that it's just kind of a a good thing to be prepared for mhm yeah, I really like that. I like how how you encourage parents or parents to think about to empower their children to let out all the options so uh, the children, the teens have option or they feel like they have some kind of control over mm-hmm. the situation mm-hmm. instead of forcing parents' value, ideas, what should be done to mm-hmm. the to the children and teens. Yeah. Well, I think too, the, the one thing is you feel completely out of control, whether you're a parent or uh, an adult or child, whenever this is happening to you, you feel completely out of control. You're just seeing strands of hair all over the place and you're like, oh my gosh, what can I do about this? And, and the thing that you can't do is to control what you put on your head or don't put on your head. And that that's kind of, like you said, it is empowering to say today I'm going to do this or that or whatever it may be and and just kind of see what happens yes yes exactly and i feel like um relate to many other you know areas i see when people are empowered when they uh, know what to do they know the options and they have certain amount of freedom of doing this versus doing that and then it helped them to reduce the worries, actually. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Another big thing is to find a local support group or an online support group. Um, before I mentioned that I didn't really have any access to that growing up, but these days we have the Children's Alopecia Project, which they have def- different um, places all over the world where you can meet either online, they have groups specific to cities, um, and then they have camps around the country as well. We actually have one coming up in Seattle in November, so I'm really excited about that. 
Wow. And Great. yeah, anytime you can get around people who understand, especially for kids, it makes a world of difference. It makes a huge, huge difference when you can just hang out with people, kind of bounce some things off each other and have that access for parents to kind of um, speak freely um, in an environment that is totally safe, you know, that where people understand. So that online support, local support is key for sure. Yes, definitely. So you mentioned something earlier about um, teens, they possibly really worried uh, or the parents worry about their children going to get bullied at school. I know mm-hmm. middle school, high school, sometimes, you know, it's pretty difficult already and mm-hmm. bully could happen uh, to any kids. And I'm wondering for kids with um, alopecia, do bully actually happen more often against them? I think that anytime you physically look different or have any any difference that's obvious, um, you're you're just a target. That just happens. And and the opposite, the kind of opposing side of that is like, oh, okay, that secrecy part where I'm I'm feeling like I want to take care of this myself or not talk about it as as a child or teen, is that the the feedback's going to be like, oh, hey let's pull this kid's hat off. Let's pull this kid's wig off. And that, that happened to me a, a lot of when I was in elementary school. Well, I didn't have a wig um, later, but um, that, that happened a lot to me in elementary school. And at these days, I, I'd like to say that schools are more aware and intolerant of that, but it is happening. And, and even if it's not happening, the worry is always there that it will happen. Right. You know, even outside of school, the worry is constantly there. Um, so, I know that when I hear stories of kids saying, um, you know, I'd like to talk to my class or Jeff with the Children's Alopecia Project, he does school tours. So he'll do a certain region of the United States and he has gone to Canada and he's gone to South Africa. He's kind of gone everywhere and he goes into the schools and he just educates about alopecia. And I do that a a bit myself locally um, when parents ask me to come in and I'm happy to come in and just share about what it is. And oftentimes with kids, they just want to know. They want to know it's not contagious first off. They want to know what it is, children are so open to um, us being different these days, diversity. I I love that. So it's really not the kids that are, um, you know, it's trickling down to the kids from parents and grandparents who are a little bit older, who don't understand, who who maybe um, have questions and aren't asking them in, in the right ways. But we can educate our kids so that they can go home and tell their parents and, and siblings and everything like that, this is what it is. And it's not a big deal. When I, when I did that for, because um, I wore a wig as an adult when my hair fell completely out. Again, at the age of 32, my daughter was in school and I was hearing some, some comments that reminded me of being in school. And I thought, okay, I need to go in and talk to um, this classroom. And I went in and I just, I just, did some very basic education and they were like, Oh, okay. And that was it. Not another word, nothing. And, and my child, you know, my daughter didn't have to deal with any just, you know, Mm -hmm. difficulty. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Yes. So instead of hiding and surprising and being sad alone, I really like how you approach the situation and uh, help people understand and by provide some even basic education, sounds like that can make a big difference. Mm-hmm. Well, and oftentimes when you say 
it's alopecia areata, they go, oh, I know my aunt has that. People will know someone with alopecia and um, it's, it's not such a, because that 2%, you know, that is a, a very large percent of the population that somebody probably knows someone with it, whether or not they wore a wig or a hat and they never talked about it. It's, you go, oh yeah, maybe that's what that person was going through. Um, so that's kind of a nice education piece too, where you go, oh, all right, I'm hearing from this child that this is what it is. And when you're open about it, which I'm, I'm going to admit is not very easy when you're going through something and you're trying to go through the grieving process and understanding what, what's happening. It's not easy, but, but I know that when kids are open and tell a friend, tell, you know, talk to their classroom, talk to their entire school, um, and, it just makes a world of difference. And, but like I said, it's not easy for everybody and it's a process. So if they can have a friend with them, a support system that can do that, then, then that really makes a world of difference too. Yeah, that's great. I, I think that gave a lot of parents and the kids a lot of good guidance and mm-hmm. uh, some hope that yeah. there are a lot we can do about it. I'm wondering at the end, do you have any tips or any suggestions to mm-hmm. either adults or children who are uh, dealing with alopecia? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely reach out to those support groups that are available locally and online. And one of the number one things that I find is that people stop doing the things that they love. Um, They stop going to the gym. They stop being part of a sports team or even going and doing things that are really independent, like art and things that they love. So I, I think that I would suggest continue to do the things that you love. Reach out to your friends and family for help. And even though they may not understand, it's good to just kind of say, hey, this is how I'm feeling. You may not understand, but this is kind of what it looks like right now. And I could just really use your support because a lot of our family and friends have no idea how to support us. And yeah, so those local support groups, reaching out to friends and family, and also just continue to do the things that you love. Those are kind of the top three for me um, because it reminds you of of who you are and, and that, you know, building confidence is huge too. Continuing to say, I am good at, volleyball, at art, at bowling, whatever it might be. And also, you know, in regards to sleep, get that sleep, you know, exercise, get sleep, do all these things that, that build us up, eat right, you know, figure out what's going on with your dietary things too. And, and just always, you know, can always be working to, to be physically better too. These are great tips from the end. So how we look does not define who we are. If we can accept who we are, find resources, find options, these worries may not bother us that much anymore. Diane will launch her podcast, Alopecia Life, next week. You can find it on all the major podcast platforms. If you want to find more information she talked about today, welcome to visit our show note on our website, deepintosleep slash episode slash 004. 
you are also welcome to subscribe our email list on our website. We will send out tips about sleep in the future. We have a special guest next time, a sleep medical doctor from UK. Thank you for listening. I will see you in two weeks. Sleep is an individual thing. We all sleep differently, and there is so much we can do to improve sleep quality. Keep hope and carry on. This podcast is for general informational purpose only and does not include the practice of medicine or other health professional services. Usage of the information we share is at the listener's own risk, and our content does not intend to be a substitute for any medical and professional services, diagnoses, and treatment. Please seek professional health services as needed. Are you suffering from insomnia? I promise you, the CBTI method in my course will definitely help you. Even if several nights of better sleep, that would be a world-changing experience for you. I have had so many success from my insomnia patients who have taken this course over the years. If you know someone who are struggling with sleep, go to my website and check out my course at deepintosleep.co. Or slash insomnia.